Hi, I'm Sebastian Volney, and this is The Sustainable Fashion Wingman, the podcast exploring the brands, innovations, and careers making fashion more environmentally and ethically friendly. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast and have subscribed, why not invite your friends and colleagues to listen too? There's lots of episodes coming your way. And if you'd like to connect to like-minded professionals in the ethical and responsible fashion space, why not connect with me over on LinkedIn? What are your clothes made of? Well, we've heard all types of materials tagged as sustainable from organic cotton to bamboo. But how much of your wardrobe contains seaweed? I was recently introduced to Adam Costello, the founder of the environmentally conscious brand Inland Sea, and was excited to meet Adam to hear actually about this innovative use of seaweed in clothing. Of course, I wanted to hear just how low impact the material can be. And if it's a fiber, we'll be seeing featured more heavily in a more sustainable fashion market. So how do you make clothes out of seaweed? And what does it mean for sustainable fashion? Well, let's find out. Hi, Adam, how are you? Hi, sir. how are you doing, mate? Thanks very much for having me on today. You're welcome. It's good to have you here to talk about um, talk about seaweed, which I'm quite yep. interested in. It's not something I've really heard <laughs> heard much about or talked much about. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And obviously, we're going to talk about Inland Sea, the brand as well. So to start things off, can you tell us about your background and how you became interested in fashion and clothing design? Of course, yeah. So uh, my background isn't actually fashion. My background's mainly design and graphic design uh, and art, really. I did fine art at university, and it's quite difficult to create a career from doing a fine art degree um, unless you become a full-on artist or a teacher. So I actually taught myself graphic design and web design straight out of uni, like self-taught, really, uh, an an illustration. Became like a graphic designer in Manchester, actually ran a design agency for a good number of years uh, in Manchester, um, which is where the uh, T-shirt, my first T-shirt was actually, it came out of that that design agency really um so in response to the manchester bomb back in 2017 we did a charity t-shirt which was a design based around the manchester bee like the iconic uh, manchester bee if you're aware of that uh, so we did a t-shirt which would raise money for the victims and uh, what happened with that tragedy and because of my kind of environmental background and kind of ethics really um, I wanted to make sure that it was a t-shirt made out of organic cotton at that time it was actually very difficult to source blank organic cotton t-shirts um, so it was, it was quite difficult to do that ended up doing it did a really good design it was a successful charity t-shirt and then off the back of that my kind of childhood dreams of creating a surf brand or an ethical clothing brand uh, started to begin um so i actually i, I attended a, a patagonia event and learned about their responsibility t-shirt which is a t-shirt made out of mostly recycled plastic bottles blended with organic cotton and i just explained to them that i wanted to set up a brand similar to obviously so not not similar to Patagonia but you know like the same sort of ethics really more than anything and the same values so they actually were really open with me and actually told me where I could potentially get these t-shirts made um, so I ended up sourcing I think I imported 500 uh, t-shirts which were made out of 50% recycled plastic bottles and 50% organic cotton which at the time was I think relatively unheard of as an independent uh, t-shirt brand to do that in the UK. Um, certainly when I put the t-shirts out there that they had recycled plastic bottles in, people, you know, it was a bit of a USP at the time. Um, so that kind of 
kick-started the business. I got a market stall, at, um, a local market stall in Macclesfield called the Treacle Market, which is a regular artisan market in Cheshire. So we did that for about two years, kind of learning how to sell and engage with people and getting people's feedback about the brand. And um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there, really, as a kind of passion project into a, a full-on business that I could make a living out of. And yeah, we'll come on to talking about how I discovered seaweed, I'm sure, Seb. We will indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it sounds like you've done quite a lot in just a few years from going from graphics design into the apparel trade. And you've, you've obviously done quite a bit with uh, the charity T-shirts and being inspired by Patagonia. And like you said, you've had a bit of a or you have a very strong kind of affiliation to the environment. And that's inspired you as well. When did you start in Lansi then? So the brand, when I came up with the name and I did, because my background's design, like I said, like graphic design. So I did all the branding for it and the logo and everything and a lot of the designs as well for the T-shirts. Um, so officially it started as a passion project in um, late 2017 and then kind of 17, 18, 19, it become, you know, I was able to get more T-shirt ranges around. A lot of them were charity T-shirts actually uh, raising money for different different charities such as um we did a, a guide to great women t-shirt which was for um international women's day so to raise money for newcastle uh, women's aid so a lot of kind of social issues that we try to address as well as climate change issues and obviously using sustainable materials and then really as a full-time business i actually only I basically phased out slowly my graphic design business and agency and built Inland Sea into a business that I could eventually earn just about enough money to live off, which was January of last year when I actually went full time into it before. Um, yeah, until, you know, it was a sustainable business for me to actually make a living out of it by then. So still quite early on as far as brands go then. So was there any, can you discuss any challenges as a kind of a small business owner in the fashion industry and especially coming into the fashion industry at quite an early kind of stage for you. What kind of challenges have you faced and how have you overcome those? Yeah, I think, first of all, I, you know, like I said before, I'm not from a fashion background and very much um, I've always been about like the materials that I wanted to use. So I kind of got into it more from an environmental kind of and wanting to kind of establish a surfing brand in the UK more more than anything to start with, like a fun brand that was about the outdoors. And then when I got into it, it was only really learning about like the fashion industry within a few years and like how bad it was and the impact that it had on the environment that really ignited me to do something about it. And then it was kind of things like, it was really alarming that no one really manufactured in the UK. Um, everything was manufactured in China for dirt cheap and, you know, in Asia. And uh, you look into like the working environments that people have to live uh, through uh, for all these different bigger brands. So it's obviously, you know, you've got this podcast here, so you're exposing all of that and, we're t- and the reason that we're here. Um, but for me, it was kind of coming into it and not really knowing like the extent of how bad fashion is for the environment and for social issues as well so it that really ignited my passion to create a brand that was going to solve that um i've always said um and i know it's a very big sweeping statement but the reason that i set up in land sea was to actually help solve the climate crisis and yeah it's a big statement to make but that's why it exists and that's what i want to do and uh, fashion is an amazing 
tool to help with that, not only to address the issues within fashion, um, but also just to expose um, what is going on with the climate crisis and what it could lead to if we don't address all those really complicated issues and look at sustainable, natural ways to um, make our clothing, which again, is a really big thing. Like people don't think about it. People don't think that uh, we shouldn't like why why are we wearing things like that, that are made out of plastic and why we're we wearing polyester and what does that actually do to the environment and to our skin and bodies? Like everyone takes it for granted and everyone just trusts these big brands. Everyone seems to trust fast. Well, we've grown up trusting fast fashion brands, for example, and you know, like now we know the extent of how bad they actually are, um, and people we we need education, we need these discussions to happen, which is you know why why your podcast exists and why we're having this conversation so yeah and it's admirable to hear the passion that you want to make a difference and we love that on the podcast absolutely and as you aren't from the fashion industry, was there any challenges for you transitioning was it quite a heavy learning curve for you? Um, so I will be 100% honest here. Uh, yeah, it was like, I think na- naivety more than anything of what I was getting into has helped me succeed because I basically, so when 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 I tell people that I've actually created my own fabric from raw fibres, a lot of people who know what they're talking about, their kind of jaws will drop and they're like, what, you imported raw fibre and you've made your own yarn and you've actually made your own fabric? And they're like, oh my God, how, why did you do that? Why, you know, like, um, I think a lot of people who probably know what they're doing wouldn't have approached it in that way. So, so I've kind of got into it a little bit naively, but also I think that's, and it's, it's massively helped because what I've actually done is I've enabled a brand and a manufacturing process to look at every single aspect of that fabric so i do actually know where the fa- where the fibers come from i know where the seaweed and the eucalyptus pulp which is made in for that fiber to be made i know where that comes from i know that how the manufacturing process of that the actual fiber it happens i know that it's all good and i know where the cotton comes from which which is a massive talking point as well so we know the farmer we know the paddock we know the seeds that are used uh, in the actual cot- cotton and the majority of cotton and brands that use cotton no one actually really knows where that actual cotton's come from or how it's been cut and how it's arrived in the UK we know everything about the traceability of the actual materials that are used in our end fabric all the way down to the print as well so making sure that the print is water-based there's no chemicals there's no plastic involved in it and obviously in the way that the garment is put together in the uk the sewing everything's living wage everything's like completely ethical and above board so it's kind of like i've been there and done it and i know exactly how how it's been done whereas like the majority of brands again they can't actually really tell you how their their clothing has been made or where the actual materials have been have come from it sounds like the the learning curve as steep as it may have been has actually been a positive because you've had to learn quite a lot by the sound of it yeah. So obviously you've got quite an affinity with the environment and yeah. you talked about your inspiration with things like Patagonia, uh, but also I understand there's a little story there yes. about a podcast, which kind of led you into, into the brand. Of course. Yeah. So after um, establishing the brand and 
it was 2018, 2019, and this is like literally uh, the Greta Thunberg movement when she first came out and did her school strikes. It was just at the beginning of uh, Extinction Rebellion. So obviously we've had climate crisis and climate change protests for years and years and years, and people have been banging on about it for a long time. Um, However, it's only really grabbed the media attention in the last uh, few years, as we all know. So part of that, of what I wanted to do was uh, learn as much as I possibly could about the climate crisis. And one of the big things that, that I found amazing to do was my set of my own podcast. And so the podcast we named uh, Things Can Only Get Greta. So it was like a lighthearted take on the climate crisis. We didn't want to make it all about uh, doom and gloom and like negative stories about climate crisis. I've always totally believed in a solution-led mindset for the, for anything to do with uh, the climate and the fashion and um, we can get completely bogged down and we can we can do protests i'm all for protesting but that's only going to get us a, a certain way we really need to put energy into solutions like you know like seaweed for example that answers can answer a lot of massive climate crisis uh, issues so yeah so i started the podcast it's actually just before COVID that we started doing it. Uh, did it for about two years and it was brilliant. We had uh, guests like the co-leader of the Green Party on, Sean Berry, through to an expert in seaweed, which is where I learned about the seaweed fibre as well. So I'm a massive advocate of podcasts and setting up your own podcast because you can learn so much from them. You can get guests on and just learn and make and, and network as well. Um, when I did my podcast, it was uh, COVID. So, you, you know, you weren't able to go to events or do networking in the traditional way. So doing a podcast was an actual, actually a brilliant way to network and keep my business going. Um, and obviously it was through that podcast that I learned loads about materials and ethical fashion and then obviously wear seaweed and that's where that my seaweed idea completely came from yeah i can completely agree there with the the podcast aspect of things it does really help to um to, to grow your network and to learn and to really connect with people who are who are sharing the same kind of goals and values as you which is really important mm-hmm. and you mentioned you're a surfer you know you're a bit of a surfer yourself so that's where kind of the the love for the environment comes from yeah exactly and that features heavily in your design process, I can see as well. Yeah, yeah. And is that also, I guess, you know, that is an inspiration as well for sustainability for you. So talking about sustainability, uh, what is your take on that in the clothing industry? Where do you think businesses need to be focusing on the most? Yeah, I mean, sustainability, the word on its own is like very general i think like people use it so uh, haphazardly now and really sustainability actually just means like something that can continue to be used um, but it's kind of been adopted now hasn't it to to mean like green environmentally friendly uh, which is fine like it's just we can call it a sustainable movement so yeah i think like brand what brands really need to do is look at the longevity of garments is a massive uh, is a massive one the the whole throwaway culture that we've seen to have kind of just adopted and just people just don't really seem to care you know like what's a t-shirt that costs five pounds with a design on or whatever no one actually thinks about how that t-shirt has been made what materials have been used so i think we've got to get away from social like basically just social issues where garments are being made for just next to nothing and we know that the garment worker is not being paid that what they should be paid Brands need to stop supporting things like that. It shouldn't just be about the profit. But then 
that links into the longevity of a product, no matter what it's actually made out of. Uh, it could be made out of polyester, which I'm personally against, but I do realise that polyester does have advantages as a material. But if we're going to make something out of polyester, the garment needs to be made really, really well so that then it will last for years and years and years and doesn't just break up and uh, get disposed of. Um, so there's, yeah, it, sustainability just encompasses so many different aspects and challenges for everyone involved. Um, I think it really goes down to like ethics, really. So if you've got a brand who really does care, um, they will care about paying their garment workers the correct wage. They will care about the materials that are going into that product. They will care about how the product has actually been made and will it last They'll care about the print. They'll care about how they target the customers as well and who who's going to be wearing the actual garments. And, and also they should be caring about the education side of it, like not just like every garment really should be cherished and not like thrown away. We're, we're, we're just completely in a consumer-led society, whereas, say, 50 years ago when they used to make clothing, it's like someone would buy a garment or a dress or whatever, and it would be made, you know, it would be a garment for life. So it's just, yeah, it's about, like, not overproducing. Um, yeah, overproduction is absolutely massive, obviously, in the fashion industry. That must be probably the number one challenge and issue because it's cheaper to overproduce on a mass scale than it is to just produce a small amount of garments and just issues like that are just so integral for the future of like the planet and the the way that we go about production so yeah it's such a sweeping it's a big very very big question uh, Seb and it's like uh, a sweeping statement that we're a sustainable company it's it's very difficult and I, I imagine you know I've never been involved in like a big a company and a big fashion company but I know that how difficult it would be to integrate like sustainability uh, into your business to kind of look at the way everything's made look at the traceability of every single little com- you know down to like even the thread the cotton that's used in the thread for actually making the clothing and things like that and how it's dyed as well um not talked about that uh, how, how clothing is dyed and the chemicals that are used in in dying it's so challenging really yeah absolutely sustainability like you said it is quite an an umbrella term and it covers so many different aspects and for a business it's it's massively complicated there are so many different areas that has to be looked at and addressed and and not every company looks at every single one you know every uh, Mm -hmm. and i think it's more about the the impacts are are coming from little areas that they can affect and as a collective, you know, if everyone can kind of look at the different areas and, and affect those individually and or collectively, then that, that does help to make a difference. But it is, like you said, it's very complicated to actually retrofit that into a larger company whose initial kind of founding was based on, well, just generally profit. Um, yeah. It, make, it makes Probably. it much harder to then try and change those, those kind of foundations. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like um, a, a really big point because it's sh- like this is where the government should come in because it should be easy for companies to adopt sustainable values and and choices as well like at the moment it's very complex and it's also expensive so uh, a brand a brand or you know a well-established company has to survive like on profits there's no getting away from that we're in a capitalist society Uh, they need we need to sell certain amount of products to be a success and a successful brand and then use use that to actually 
change things. But if the government aren't helping in whether that might be subsidising and helping businesses make these big changes, it's extremely difficult for people to do. So uh, the choice will ultimately always be that cheaper way of manufacturing. So everyone's got to kind of work together. And yeah, I think this is where the government, you know, governments need to come in and help. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before we go on to sustainability within your own brand, can you just give a little kind of summary or an idea of what sets Inland Sea apart from other clothing brands in the market? Yeah, sure. So um, obviously we're still very much in infancy as as a brand itself, but I think what the big thing that we've obviously done is manufacture our own fabric, which, as I said at the beginning about uh, me being naive and everything, not a lot of brands do. So you'll actually get a lot of British brands who will claim to to make their clothing in the UK, which they are doing, but all they're actually doing is getting the getting the clothing sewn in the UK, which is obviously fine, it's great, but that fabric that's used in those clothing will obviously come from Asia or cheaper places. So um, what we've done is actually manufacture our, our actual fabric from raw fibres. Um, so we're definitely very different in that way. We've effectively trade, you know, trademarked and made our own fabric, which we call Sea Blend. And we we want to be, we are truly sustainable. One of the statements that I put on the website is that we are truly sustainable because lots of brands will claim to be sustainable or environmentally friendly, but actually they won't. You know, they, they aren't. They're using things like recycled plastic bottles in the T-shirt, uh, which I'm like against now. It's one of the things that I started doing. But as you learn more, you realise that actually that that whole system is still supporting plastic at the end of the day we need to phase out plastic and find completely new materials uh, i do understand it's like helping solve a, a kind of recycling issue and plastic bottles but what we need to do is just get rid of plastic bottles we don't they don't need to actually exist so we need to stop doing that and my, my i'm a massive one as well i i personally don't want to wear plastic uh, on my skin uh, polyester is a horrible material for sweat and i don't understand any sports brand that uses it to be fair like uh, i don't really get it because uh, it's not breathable it's, yeah it's horrible stuff so yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's interesting um so with sustainability and and inland sea and you mentioned their sea blend your materials so you're doing a little bit more than just being a clothing brand with actually bringing in the fibers and producing your own material within the country too how does that make inland sea you know what are you doing to make inland sea and sea blend sustainable in the manufacturing and production processes what's involved to actually be able to then call yourself as sustainable as you are yeah great question i reckon um so sustainable going back to the whole meaning of sustainable for me that means traceability um which you touched on before so knowing where all of our all of our materials come from uh, and then that the garment is very well made which it is and through to the the life cycle of the product uh, so i know that our clothing what we're actually making is fully biodegradable so at the end of its life which should be a very long time a really decent amount of years years where the t-shirts are designed to last years and years um, whether that's in the stitching but actually in the actual fabric itself the cotton that's used is called long staple cotton so that means that it's uh, a very strong uh, fabric and um, so when you pull it and it doesn't you know it won't rip whereas you'll get much cheaper cottons that potentially may have been cut with even cheaper cottons or different materials as well will not be very strong and, and just be cheap so that we know that the cotton is 
yeah, very strong. So that equals a very strong fabric. Through to, I mean, it's not necessarily sustainable, but the actual material itself, the sea cell that's used uh, in, which contains the seaweed and it's made out of eucalyptus pulp and seaweed, it emits uh, vitamins and minerals into your skin and your body. So it's actually really good for your body. So going back to me saying about my hate of uh, polyester what would you prefer to wear something that's made out of plastic on your body that's like a petrochemical horrible based you know it's like i, I don't want to say it's but there are um the studies into how bad it how bad uh, polyester is actually for your body and your skin um people with skin conditions and eczema and things like that can't wear things like polyester can't wear synthetics because of the chemical basis and it just flares up your skin whereas um, our fabric, which contains seaweed, it contains purely 100% natural materials, eucalyptus pulp, is actually good for you when you're actually wearing it. It's really soft on your skin. And yeah, just, you know, it's a choice, isn't it, at the end of the day? But the thing is, people don't know that. People think polyester's great, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And with the, so it's called Sea Blend, is the material that you're using. Is, it, is yeah. it the product just like completely made out of Sea Blend, or do you have to mix it or anything? So yeah, I'll explain the manufacturing process. So the sorry, I mean seaweed. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's it's quite complicated because uh, there's a few things that are actually called sea something. So it's um, quite hard to for people to get their head around. Um, so the fabric is made out of thirty uh, percent sea cell, which is a material made out of eucalyptus pulp and seaweed. Um, so sea cell can be bought by any brand at the end of the day and be made into a fiber it's it's very expensive luxury a luxury type of fiber really so you could have a hundred percent sea cell garment which would be a very soft very expensive beautiful uh, garment uh, fabric but we blend we we blended ours as a 30 percent sea cell and 70 percent cotton um so that's the actual blend so so sea cell and the cotton, so 30% sea cell, 70% uh, cotton, and then we've trademarked the actual fabric, um, sea, sea blend. So that's the actual fabric that we've called, that we've called it, which is the end product, basically. All right. And I understand you're calling the cotton super cotton. What, what does that mean? Why is it super cotton? Yeah, cool. So it's we're not calling it super cotton. That's what it's called by uh, the farmers. So it's... Right. Uh, I think you cut well, all. I think all cottons are actually genetically modified seeds. I think um, I might get someone might call me out on this, um, but the, se- the seeds are obviously modified to create specialized cottons, which can grow in certain ways. And this this is called a super cotton. So, like I said before, it's a long staple. So I think that means that the fibers are especially longer than normal cottons, which means it's stronger. So it's a very strong. Yeah, a very strong cotton at the end of the day, which will therefore make a very strong fabric. And where do you get the the cotton from? So you can't uh, obviously you can't grow uh, cotton in cold climates, so it has to be grown ideally in like d- desert, more very very humid d- desert type of environments where, where cotton thrives. So this cotton is actually grown in Australia, which people will. Um, it's called Australian super cotton, which you can Google and look up, or we can send you the information, or you can go on our website and read up, read about all read all about uh, Australian super cotton. Um, but people immediately we get, will go, oh, that's not very good for the environment because it comes from so far away. But actually, all cottons do come from places like India, Asia, 
um, hot hot environments that do come to the UK. I think the closest cottons that can be made are in Turkey uh, and Morocco, I think as well. But yeah, we we source the the cotton actually through the manufacturers in Manchester who have been on a massive cotton journey really to find like the most ethically produced cottons so that they you know taking their expert advice they use australian super cotton basically because they know exactly where that cotton's coming from we don't want to necessarily buy cottons from india or china or wherever and because it's really really difficult to actually trace where that cotton has been made um, from the source whereas if we're buying it from australia they have a relationship with that actual farmer and the the cotton is actually i think the the cotton bales are actually um have a code on them as well so there's no way that the cotton can get mixed with other cottons and cut and watered down effectively um into different uh, fibers um so yeah they you know it's truly sustainable truly ethical cotton as well because that's a bit you know you open up a can of worms really with how cotton is sourced and how it's grown and things like that so Okay, that's fascinating. That's interesting. And I understand they use regenerative farming as well. To, so it, it yeah. is a very truly ethical kind of produced or sustainably yeah. produced cotton. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big, really big one, Seb, um, is the whole regenerative uh, farming. So that actually means that they they plant different plants in between the cotton. So it's amazing for the actual environment. It's amazing for the soils. Um, and I think they do use a, a type of pesticide, but this is another massive opening of of, a can of worms because you're getting into is it is it organic cotton because organic cotton means that you don't use pesticides however with the cotton that we use they do use a pesticide but it's a very environmentally friendly pesticide which doesn't kill uh, bugs it just makes the actual cotton grow in a really sustainable way Um, so yeah it's another very big talking point cotton and, and organic cotton in particular well, that's very interesting. I know a lot of people will contest that because, you know, yeah, we've developed this kind of mindset of like, well, it's organic, that's the best and that's it. There's nothing know, else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it would be interesting if people go onto your website and have a look at Supercotton and see and read more about it and understand the difference between organic and actually what Supercotton is all about. It was interesting, actually, that you were talking about regenerative farming there because I was at a a, a talk last night with uh, three very well-educated uh, guys talking about regenerative farming, not necessarily from the fashion industry. I know one was, the other two are, are just more with a farming background, but they were talking about, like you mentioned there, the diversity of crops um, and how better that is for the soil and for the environment, as opposed to mono culture i believe they call it where they only mm-hmm. grow one specific crop which is actually yep. uh, who would know i mean if you're not into that you wouldn't know um is actually quite bad for the environment uh, and the diversity of the environment um so that exactly. was interesting that you brought that up there because obviously with this um australian cotton that you're sourcing it's uh that they're looking very heavily into that and they work in that particular way which is better for the environment yep exactly so sea blend material is is it difficult to work with um, in terms of like actually making a garment, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, in fact when the sewers they said it's absolutely beautiful to work with because uh, it's so soft and kind of silky. So it's nicer than a hundred percent cotton garment, uh, you know, hundred percent cotton uh, fabric. Uh, so it's really, really nice to work with, and obviously really beautiful to wear on your skin as well. 
Oh, right. Okay. Because because I know that some alternative materials can be difficult to sew, for example, or to even uh, no, weave. I think so. the complete opposite. Yeah. The the feedback from the sewing sewing guys is yeah, it's really really nice to work with. Yeah. Okay. And you know, like I mentioned about other alternative sustainable materials, sometimes they don't necessarily make the cut, do they? You know that that we hear about them. They're in the news and they sound fantastic. And then the next thing you know, it, it turns out actually they're not very durable, or they don't last, or there's an issue with actually producing the, ma- the amount that's needed to actually make an impact um, in the industry. What so? What is it about sea cell or sea blend that you think will prove the test of time as a sustainable fiber choice? Yeah, so I think like I don't want to keep banging on about PET recycled plastic bottles, but um, that's a classic example of like people thinking it's an an amazing material uh, because we're solving a, a plastic issue. But like I said before, it's not solving any issue really. It's just like and it's kind of a greenwashing situation as well because lots of brands will say that they're using recycled plastic bottles and therefore we're sustainable, but actually it's just continuing using plastic it's not great it's it's never going to go away as well like that's what you've got to remember when you're buying from a any brand that says they're using recycled polyester it's a load of bollocks (laughs) because we're making a t-shirt at the end of the day out of recycled uh, plastic bottles which will then never go away it may be able to be recycled but the likelihood that it's going to end up in landfill with you know hundreds of other thousands of PET t-shirts and they're never going to go away and just be you know we're just continuing this whole situation and also it's super cheap uh, to to produce and use we just need to get away from using plastic 100% now so if we move on to seaweed and uh, sea cell so sea cell uh, actually I don't think that is the ultimate answer it's, it is the ultimate answer in the way that it uses wood pulp. So it's made out of predominantly eucalyptus wood pulp. Um, but there's issues with using wood, uh, using trees in clothing. Like we, we don't necessarily want to be chopping down hundreds of thousands of trees for our clothing. However, seaweed, I believe, uh, does have the answer for uh, for the future. Um, and there are there's a, a big company in America at the moment who have got millions of dollars of investment um, over the last few years who have been following um, who are making 100% seaweed seaweed yarn. So seaweed is uh, an incredible resource basically because uh, it can be farmed. It doesn't need, um, it can be farmed in any way, in the same way that cotton can be farmed. However, it doesn't need any land. All it needs is the sea. Um, It doesn't need any pesticides. Um, it grows extremely quickly. It's harvested in a very similar way to farm, farm. you know, if you run a normal farm. However, it's just, yeah, it, it just doesn't need anything. It literally doesn't really need anything. It just needs a line. It just needs, the line needs to be seeded uh, and it needs to just left to grow. So we, we can farm seaweed. And the biggest plus with seaweed as well is that it absorbs uh, 20 times more carbon than the land the equivalent land-based forest as well so if we were to have lots of seaweed farms basically growing tons of seaweed we're helping to suck up loads of carbon and help help the climate crisis in in that way as well there's i think there's debates about the seaweed need, needing to be sunk to the to the ocean in order for it to be restoring the carbon but i think there's also debates where the actual growth of the seaweed helps with soaking up the carbon as well. At the end of the day, it's better than uh, the alternative, like i.e. fossil fuels and using polyester. 
Um, so I really feel that, yeah, I really feel seaweed is going to be the answer to uh, a, a truly sustainable material used not only for fashion, um, but for things like plastics. At the end, lots of people don't know, but oil, all oil is, is, is actually seaweed and bio like that's uh, rotten uh, over millions and millions of years ago and we go down and met and it's actually that's what's that's actual oil so the seaweed of as of raw material can be has the same elements as oil so we can actually uh, turn it into plastic so there's a company called Nopla who have just won the earth shot prize award really big award which I'm sure some of the listeners listeners will be aware of so they have made uh, the first ever plastic based products pl- plastic packaging sorry out of 100% seaweed so um, it's happening already so uh, I see the futures like plastic will be petroleum based fossil fuel based plastic will effectively be replaced by seaweed uh, and and then we can use that in our clothing so we I had imagine that we're going to be able to replace polyester with seaweed and now we've got this amazing solution um which doesn't harm the environment if it i think the big one is that the seaweed farms and when they're set up and things like that that it's all done in the correct way and hopefully we've learned the lessons of the past uh, that the seaweed farms can be set up in particular ways that they do not impact the ocean environment and things like that but obviously that's another debate so hopefully that won't happen as well but we'll do it in the right way so you're saying it's it's potentially an alternative to plastic, but it's biodegradable, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's it's literally it's seaweed. At the end of the day, there's no nothing's added to it. If anyone is near the beach, you can actually go and collect seaweed. I think you're allowed to forage a certain amount, but what you can do is go and collect a load of seaweed, dry it, dry it out, break it down into powder, and then as an experiment, put it in a pan and boil it up. And you'll notice that it becomes this gloopy kind of like material, almost like transparent gloopy material. Stick that, um, stick that gloopy stuff onto like a, onto your sideboard or onto I don't know some a table or whatever, uh, and then just spongy it out. If, is that the right word? <laughs> and it, and you'll see that it makes like an almost cling filmy like material. So it that and that's pretty much it. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but it's <laughs> it course. can be it's made it can be made into yeah it. I mean, it's made into plastic, which then is biodegradable. So Nopla, who have made plastic out of seaweed, they actually use it in marathons and runs and everything. So the the seaweed, they have these pouches which are made out of the seaweed plastic with water in, and they're given to the runners as they're running around, and you just literally stick the whole thing in your mouth, and it gives you a load of water, and there's no there's no waste, there's no there's no plastic, so you're getting rid of the plastic, but there's no need for a plastic bottle anymore. So it's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's edible as well. Yeah, edible. Yeah, exactly. So you know those horrible tomato ketchup pouches that you get at service stations that are literally everywhere. Imagine how many millions and billions of those that are produced and that are in a circulation. They're made out of horrible proper plastic, and that that plastic is never going away seaweed will replace those and there you've got a completely biodegradable food packaging option which obviously goes across to loads of other stuff which is currently made out of plastic that's amazing so not just clothing that so many applications there sounds fantastic oh yeah big time yeah and you said the company in america is spinning 100 percent seaweed is that uh, what was yes the company in america if people want to look them up i'm giving away my uh 
industry uh-huh. secrets here, but they will. Like I think uh, bigger brands are going to are, are using them and are working with them. They are called uh, Keel Labs, like K E E L Labs. So they are currently developed. I'm, I've been in contact with them quite a lot uh, over the over a couple of years, um, but they're developing an 100% seaweed yarn. So it's I think it's literally around the corner that that will be available uh, in a lot of clothing and, and brands will start to use it as well. Yeah. So does that mean? A hundred percent yarn, but does it still need to be blended with anything else, or is that a hundred percent yarn garment? Um, I don't know to be honest. I presume that, like with anything like that, I think if it's a hundred percent seaweed y- yarn, it might be very expensive. So that's why you might want to blend it with other materials like cotton. My my dream is to have a hundred percent seaweed blend with hemp that's made in the UK. So hemp that can be grown in the UK, uh, spun into yarn, uh, and then blended with a seaweed yarn. Um, that's what I think the future is for fabrics. Well, that's incredible. Now you're all about um, collaboration, aren't you? And this is one of the attractive aspects of the ethical fashion space. In fact, sharing ideas and innovations. Yeah. And I understand you want to focus heavily on that with C Cell also because you're not just you're not just a brand. You've produced this fabric and material that you want to get out there and help kind of replace obviously plastic by the sound of it, uh, polyester. Can you talk to us about what you're doing in regards to working with other businesses? Yeah, sure. So really like when I came when I when I came up with the idea, I had to work with the cotton mill in Manchester. So uh, that's English Fine Cottons. They're the only working commercial uh, cotton spinners in the UK. So they've really championed bringing spinning back to the UK, bringing cotton spinning back to the UK. Obviously, England and the North in particular was the centre of the world for uh, spinning cotton like 100 years ago at the, uh, during the Industrial Revolution. So this collaborative that's straight away I've got to obviously collaborate with uh, those guys. It's beneficial for them to develop this fabric with with us. And then, yeah, to, I've always collaborated with designers um, at the end of the day, illustrators who come up with designs um, and then collaborations with fashion movements like the Manchester Fashion Movement, uh, which we're involved with now. So, yeah, I think like especially as independents uh, and, and independent brands, collaboration is massively key to your development like we what we've become inland sea really is obviously the brand but what we've actually become is a manufacturer um, of this fabric so we're looking to collaborate with other brands who see the value of using a truly sustainable uk made fabric so any brand can come and uh, use our fabric when it's not exclusive to inland sea we work with restaurants as well like uh, you know like even seaweed farms who want to use the t-shirt because it has seaweed in it for example so obviously you can eat seaweed so we've got we're working with restaurants who who will talk about seaweed in the t-shirt and things like that so yeah there's so, so many sort of cross uh, collaborative and the kind of marketing uh, aspects of like using the t-shirt that we're, we're using that you can play on which adds value to your brand which adds value to you know the actual product that you're selling as well so yeah collaboration is definitely key i reckon to the future yeah so that's quite a big part of your what well, can become a quite a big part of your business i guess and if you're selling c blend to other brands in the uk do you have many brands in the uk that have like received this quite well what do they think of it yeah so as we're getting the word out everyone is super keen uh, to learn more and they're very uh you know it, it's a definitely a long long game as like we like we were talking about before about bigger brands and 
how they're run and it's always going to be price points. Uh, Seablend is not cheap. It's made in the UK for starters. All the materials that are used are high-end quality expensive um so it's not you know it's it's difficult for bigger brands who definitely need it to be at a price point to make it work so anyone that we're in touch with a lot of big brands and you know have some amazing conversations but um a lot of the bigger ones you know they said like i'm saying it simply comes down to the price and if it doesn't work for them they can't use it although they're very very keen uh, about the idea I think any you know people's ears prick up straight away as soon as you say that it contains seaweed. So it's always a really, really great, really great conversation. And at the end of the day, if brands do or don't do don't want to use about it, we're just getting the word out that seaweed can be used for for clothing. And there's like I said before, sea cell isn't the ultimate answer. It just contains seaweed. It's not made out of hundred uh, percent seaweed, but that you know it plants the seed for when that's going to be available. In the, in the you know not so distant future so it's quite um it's quite an organic crop obviously uh which what, yeah. is what makes it quite sustainable but it's a, yeah. a kind of an early i guess there are brands that still use it now anyway like you said across the world but it's still in a stage where it is it is expensive because of the way that it's it's just not mass produced or it's not used so widely yet do you think it will get to the stage where it will be more affordable yeah, I think uh, 100% seaweed yarn will become more aff- affordable, but I think we're, you know, like really it's only going to become commercially available for brands like this year. But because of the way that seaweed can be grown in such abundance, I imagine that it's going to be, yeah, I imagine it's going to be, should it should be a cheap way of uh, having a material because it doesn't like we said like i said before we're not using land we're not using chemicals and pesticides you effectively just need a boat and you know and lines to kind of grow it um so it should you know and look how big the ocean is look how much water water there is you know how much sea we have it we, we have to do it in the right way like i said before but seaweed can be grown in in mass abundance and like i said before as well it grows extremely quickly um, so I presume, as a raw, as a raw uh, natural material, it should come down in price once. I think the cost of it at the moment will mainly be because it's in development process, isn't it? It's like it, we're just working out how to use it. So we just need to get that infrastructure in place, which yeah, will help yeah, to yeah. obviously reduce manufacturing costs and make it more yeah. widely available and accessible to to more brands. Yeah. Okay. So are you going out and talking to brands, or do brands come to you? Yeah, massive bit about bit of everything really. So um, I'm involved with the Manchester Fashion Movement. Um, so we we hold events with them. So we're doing we're actually doing an event called uh, Future uh, in brackets UK Fabrics, uh, which is in May, eighteenth of May. So we're just trying to champion anyone basically that you that actually makes fabric in the UK and help network the network and connect with independent brands here. So yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, lot, lots going on. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds exciting. Well, Adam, it's been absolutely fascinating to learn more about inland sea and, of course, how seaweed can be used in making clothes. It's always exciting to hear about how businesses are incorporating more environmentally friendly fabrics into their offerings and innovations in materials and developments that are, that are potentially replace kind of more negatively impactful products like like polyester like you said so i'm looking forward to seeing how many brands will actually adopt seabland as an option going forward thank you again adam cheers sir thanks so much for having me on it's been brilliant
You're welcome. It's been fantastic. Uh, for those listening, you can also learn more about Inlancy and the Sea Blend Fiber, uh, a bit about Super Cotton, like we're talking about as well, from the links in the episode description. And of course, feel free to contact Adam on LinkedIn if you want to discuss Sea Blend as an option for your business, in fact. So, yeah. So, thanks again for listening. This has been the Sustainable Fashion Wingman podcast. And I'm Sebastian, helping you dress, live, and work more sustainably. Mm-hmm.